When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. We're here for the next hour, three women and all the opinions we can shove into 60 minutes. Ladies, welcome back. Hi, Hello. Emma, tell me, how has your week been? My week's been really good, actually, because I think this week it's been about helping other women to be badass. So, yeah, there's been a couple of women this week and, uh, yeah, really helped them to kind of unleash and think about themselves differently and do some stuff. So that's good. It's, it's a good, good week. but also I feel like slightly terrifying that you have unleashed other women in your own mould yeah, onto word. the city. Yeah, I love it when women unleash themselves. I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nat, tell me, how are you, my darling? I'm fabulous. Um, I've been running a very good company and uh, launching the Badass Principle. And I started the week thinking if I make it to five past 12 on Saturday and I've done everything and I've brought my A game, then I am a goddess. And that is basically five minutes after my PT session on Saturday. But it includes the rest of the week. So... I'm pretty impressed. I think think you've got a status this week. Because also this week, very excitingly, we had our live Badass Women's Hour, which we do once a month at the W Hotel London. And this one was all about health and fitness, or, quotes wellness. That was the word that came through the whole time, wellness. Um, And I think we're going to be talking a little bit about it later. But right now, we're going to start with all the news and views that we've been picking up this week and what's been really getting our goat and making us mad in the headlines this week. So, Nat, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so this wasn't something that was that was making me mad or getting me angry. It was more I was celebrating from the sidelines and it was the women in Iceland that um, went on strike and left work at 2.38 to protest the country's 14% pay gap. Now, what I didn't realise at the time was they were actually staging the protest uh, 40 years after the women of Iceland did the same thing but to protest uh, cooking, cleaning and looking after the children basically they were like forget this ish for a laugh uh, men you need to get with the programme, we're out so the women were like okay we, we've got much more gender equality at home um, but it's still in the workplace, we're not being paid enough so we're going on strike and there were thousands of women out on the streets and I think it resonated the world over and got people talking about the fact that we're still not paid the same. And I don't think we can talk about it enough. I think we need to talk about it daily until things change. And so what do we need to do in order to change things? Like if we could just throw solutions out there and kill the gender pay gap now, because I, for one, am so bored about it. Every of the last five years, I've written an article about the gender pay gap. I cannot write another one. I have no more opinions on it. So how do we solve this instantly now? Oh, such a tricky one. But I, I, I do think there's something about, you know, the traditional way of doing business is to <clears throat> pay the littlest amount of possi- uh, littlest amount of money possible for the person to do the job. That's traditional, like, sense. So, you know, women just traditionally haven't negotiated. I know I haven't in the past. When I look back at how many years of not negotiating the pay, because I'm so frustrated with myself, then I think, you know, that's a start with businesses to go, actually, I'm going to pay this person for the value they add to the business, Mm. not because they haven't negotiated with me uh, in a way that uh, perhaps a man would be able to. Do you think, or could we just pay all women more? 
Like, surely that's the solution. Is there not just a women bonus we could give? <laughs> a women bonus. A women bonus. Yeah. If I opened a pay slip and it was like, because you are fabulously badass and a woman, here's an additional £10,000 each month. Thank you very much. Can we get yeah. back payment? <gasps> back oh. payment is a great idea. I'm totally down for back payment. That would be great. Reparations. Yeah. Yes. Reparations. I want reparations all. now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe we go on strike for that. What do you reckon? Yeah. yeah, we'll do that next week. Go on strike next week. <laughs> um, and then our second story of the week, Emma, it's about your birthplace. Yes, I am an Essex girl. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. I was born in Southend. Didn't spend a lot of time there. And I think for a long time, um, you know, that was when you were called an Essex girl and people would make a joke, oh, you're born in Essex, ha, ha. They were implying that you're promiscuous, whereas you all know I have no issues with being promiscuous, so that was never an insult. Um, but now they want to, there's like this big campaign to kind of get rid of the Essex girl stereotype. But actually, I think it's evolved massively. Now, one of my guilty pleasures is Towie. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I love okay. Cowie. You know, and the Essex girls on there, yes, there's some stereotypical, um, you know, aspects of that. But actually, most of the girls on there are making a lot of money. They've got their own businesses. And actually, the guys are almost like the Essex boys in terms of how well they look after their appearance and they're wearing mm. makeup. So I think the kind of the stereotypes evolved. And I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad term. I think it's a... So I, I don't watch Towie, um, but from the bit that I had seen, my interpretation of an Essex girl was a woman that grafted, a woman that runs her own business, a woman that's been that's like, actually, forget the city. I am who I am. I own it. If that includes big hair and makeup, whatevs but I'm living life on my own terms. So I didn't equate it with promiscuity. So what was really interesting to me about this article was that this campaign has started to get rid of the Essex girl stereotype, but what they're asking is actually to get rid of the Essex girl definition that's in the dictionary at the moment. I didn't realise there's a dictionary definition for Essex girl, and this is it. A young working class woman from the Essex area typically considered as being unintelligent, materialistic, devoid of taste and sexually promiscuous. I mean, that's what pretty damning. Right. That who, is pretty damning. Who, 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 who got permission to write that and submit it? That is actually shocking, isn't it? it again, but I, I cannot believe that someone, someone decided to create that definition that is derogatory that is demeaning and submit it and have it approved in the Oxford English Dictionary. But that probably happened Why 10 years ago. Why does it need ago? to be in there? But that's the thing. It probably happened 10 years ago. It kind of shows how far we've come now, if we can look at that and go, that is shocking. But 10 years ago, that was like, that. it was okay to talk that way. But is it shocking? Or have we slightly lost a sense of humour about it? Because... We have stereotypes for all regions of the UK, right? So we say the Scots are mean. We say the Welsh are really? sheep shaggers. Can I say that? Um, you know, all Who these kind of... that? You know, that's like a stereotype. No. So are we... Are we are we making everything too sensitive? Should we just let it go? No. I think that's... No. I think that no. dictionary definition uh, is not okay. Because there's judgment in that, isn't there? Yeah. That, you know, it's it's negative. I think you can be an Essex girl if we're going to embrace it and go, okay, an Essex girl is about, well, the definition you were saying, like that's empowering, that's inspiring yeah. crafters. Yeah, that's a positive stereotype. I think anything that's a negative stereotype has to totally go, right? I agree. Emma, your Towie obsession, do you think they are a good example of what we should be promoting as the new definition of an Essex girl? Oh, um, <laughs> do you know what? Uh, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Because I think the emotion, just the the dramas that happen in that show, and I know it's hyper real, but ultimately, a lot of human behaviour is driven by emotion overriding your like thinking. For me, no. That's and not. also the other thing I find really weird about that show, in terms of the final part of that, which is Essex girls being sexually promiscuous, is within that show there is so much judgment on the women for who they do and yes. don't date, what they have and haven't done with those guys, what the level is, who they've flirted with, who they've slept with, and none of that judgment goes on to the guys. No, it, well, is it judgment? I definitely I definitely feel like the when I watch it, those girls are liberated in terms of they do exactly what they want to do. Yeah. So um, 
Um, Essex, obviously, if we're looking at the Tower example, it's a bit of a party. There's a bit of a culture of a night out, of enjoying a drink. Or faces. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Faces? Never been. No. We'll take a group Life outing, ball? babe. Where? Um, <laughs> um, but one of the things, the other things that's been in the news this week is, and I feel like this is in the news pretty much every six months, yes. the rise of the drinking culture amongst women. And apparently women are now drinking as many units a week as men. And given that we are generally smaller and have you know different metabolisms and hormones, this is felt by the medical community to be a really terrible thing that we should not be doing. And we are all really worried that women are drinking too much. Boo, yes, boo. <laughs> Nat, as a yeah. woman who's never had more <laughs> than her prescribed units during a week. <laughs> In one day. I have my, yeah, exactly. I have like double my prescribed units. Um, you know, everyone knows me. I will drink champagne for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It, you know, it's part of how I live. Um, I, I, I'm annoyed because I feel like no matter what we do, we are judged and told you can do this. You can't, or no, you, you can't do this. You should eat this. You should be this way. You shouldn't be this way. Get off our backs. Go and do something instead of telling us what to drink. Go and do your bloody job. Go and save some lives, general medical council people. <laughs> but That's they, what I'd like you to do. Are they not and thinking stop... they're trying to save some no. lives by encouraging us no. to moderate not our champagne for breakfast, lunch and dinner? and healthy. I had a PT session this morning, thank you very much. And I had a, a under 600 calorie pizza for lunch. Did your so... PT work on your liver this morning? <laughs> no, you did not. Oh. But my liver is fine. <laughs> but I think, you know, yes, you know, it, I'm, I'm being flippant, but... They have said that there's the, the kind of the secret sippers. So the women like me who go home, they make dinner, they open a bottle of wine and sometimes drink the whole bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but typically I'm now working on one good glass through to the binge drinkers. But that has changed. And I think it's changed possibly for the worst because there's a new culture, as we discussed before. There is new culture, and we're going to look at that, I think, in um, in the second section of the show, which we'll be coming to you in just a minute. Emma, I know that you have pretty much given up booze. Yeah, I reckon I'm 90% teetotal. Was this due to some <clears throat> horrific booze-fueled event you just don't want to talk about? No, I think I just was like, alcohol just doesn't add anything to my life at all. And I think trying to run a business, it's so hard. You're constantly up against it. And what I found was I'd get to the weekend, I'd go and binge drink because I had such a full-on week. And then I'd spend my whole weekend with a hangover when really what I needed was like rest and restoration. And then I did that. Even if I do it now, like if I kind of fall off the wagon a bit, I do it for three or four consecutive weeks, I become so exhausted. And I just, I can always take or leave alcohol. I think it's because my parents used to give me booze when I was 11. We used to have grown-up drinks on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. Like, booze. My granddad would no. say just enough to wet the lips, like yeah. a little bit of <laughs> yeah. red wine. Yeah, yeah. I have so like... there you go, feeding your children booze, either turning them into <laughs> teetotalists or alcoholics, depending on which way they go. Give it a try. So we're coming to the end of part one, but girls, when we come back, I want your best and worst drinking stories, the ones that you wouldn't tell your mother. Um, we'll be talking about that and also Great British Bake Off, just in a minute. So we're back and I really need a shot right now. We are going to be talking about our best and worst drinking stories and also what is going on in the Great British Bake Off. Nat, yes. give me the moment when you knew booze was your friend <laughs> uh every evening uh when i the, the the red wine hits the lips in the perfect glass and it's smooth oh that moment bleeding love it um so but you know it's not always uh my friend have you ever had a moment where you were like i will never drink again yeah so i would say actually on your point you know, when you we, you work as hard as we do and you're out at events all the time, not eating well, there was a point where I was waking up consecutively being ridiculously hungover, ridiculously unwell. And this was in the last year. And I, I actually had to give myself a talking to and say, you are an adult. You are not a child anymore. Your body is too old for this. Sort it out. And that's when I moved to... The, so going to work, like a work events, I don't drink as much. 
Um, so if a client wants to stay and drink, I'm like, that is you. I will do one or two, but then I'm going home. I don't double up on events. I was, so I was going to an event and then going to something else afterwards. So I don't do that. So it's just, it's more of a behavior thing. Um, but I don't need someone else to tell me what I should and shouldn't drink. I know what and how my body responds. So have you never done anything really embarrassing whilst drunk? Because I have Always. done some, I mean, oh, loads. Emma, tell me about your most embarrassing moment. So another re- one of the first reasons I stopped drinking for a while is when I went through a, like, a heartbreak stage. So I was quite depressed and I found that, you, you know, you want to go out and party and drink. But actually that was making me a bit more depressed. And, you know, and also you're a bit lonely. So I'd go out and obviously I'd want to pull a guy, you know. And, uh, and there's one night there's this guy and I just was so drunk. I just decided that I'd probably fancied him. <laughs> and I was like, OK, this is my moment. And I leant in to give him a kiss and he literally like swerved, leant back a swerve and just went... <laughs> I'm going now, bye. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that was definitely a moment when yeah. I was like, Booth is not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a really similar experience for age 15. So age 15, and I've been invited to, um, like, a kind of local people Christmas drinks party at the house down the road. And I really fancied, they had two sons, and I really fancied both of them. And yeah, totally greedy. (laughs) And so I decided that the best way to get them was prior to this to not eat for three days beforehand so that I looked really skinny. And then to go to the event and drink as much as I possibly could. And so I was at this event drinking for Britain and it came time to leave. And I was like walking out into the hall of this house and they had a massive eight foot tall Christmas tree. And I tripped over and I fell head first into the Christmas tree, which fell over on top of me. And I had to be removed from the Christmas tree covered in soil. And what's really shameful about that story was that was age 15 and I still haven't learned my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) So so the thing I have learned is stay away from any drinks called flaming, flaming Lamborghini, anything that's blue, green, flames multiple layers tears do not drink those drinks people no stick with the pinot noir or get down with a uh, espresso martini that is oh my goodness yeah no don't listen to emma on that one listen to nat (laughs) stay with the safe drinks jane andrew candice mary and paul have decided after a lot of deliberation that the winner of the great british bake-off 2016 is Candice. Uh, so, Great British Bake Off. I love Great British Bake Off. I'm obviously, as the nation is heartbroken that it is leaving the BBC and off to Channel 4. But this particular series, I noticed something that I thought was a bit strange. And that was that from the beginning, there were a couple of clear front runners. The clear front runners were an older woman from the home counties called Jane, and then this young, very attractive um, girl called Candice, great lipstick every week. But I noticed that when they come to the end, you know, they come to the end, they have to go and present their bakes. Mm. So they would present their bakes, and then the camera would instantly cut to the other one, as if trying to create a bit of rivalry. And I thought it was really weird. Like, I didn't like it. I found it very, um, like, it was trying to build up something that wasn't there. Mm. Final episode this week. You watch to the end of it, and I don't know if you've seen this, but at the end they do a roundup of where are the bakers now? And it turns out that Jane and Candice, far from being rivals, are actually such good friends that they're off on a baking road trip around Europe together. So this whole female rivalry was just created by the BBC. All the time. Why does that happen all the time? I think all the girl groups get it. It's like, why is there this need to make out that women are competitive and that women hate each other and we're rivaling each other? that is what they want people to believe. And when I say people, um, they want other women to believe that, you know, other women are out for them and they want men to believe that all we do is fantasise over this other woman that we're not. And that who who wants us to believe that? Like, why do we do it? The patriarchal systems that <laughs> oppose their imp- uh, oppressive values upon us. No, I'm I'm joking. I just I think it's it's a production technique. You know, it, there's that building that sense of of tension, having a sense of jeopardy, and without thinking, 
they create this narrative in the story that you're right isn't actually there but it's it's not it's not useful it's not useful for a young girl that's seeing this and thinking oh okay you know if someone's doing well then I shouldn't support that I I think The Apprentice is the same thing there are lots of shows that do that yeah I have big issues about competition I think that women don't naturally I don't think we're we're competitive in that way see I'm not sure about them because I am hyper competitive but who with <laughs> who are you competing with I'm really competitive like I'm really competitive if you wanted like a thumb war right now <laughs> but I'm really competitive in terms of myself I'm not competitive with other people paper scissors stone okay let's do it <laughs> no I'll we're win. slapping of each other in the studio um, but so we do have this myth though around the queen bee like queen bee syndrome which basically says when a woman gets to the top she's never going to pull anyone else up with her she's going to protect that position Emma, have you experienced that at work? Do you know what? I haven't, but I've heard so many stories about that. And I do I do wonder if there's a generation thing, but mm. I've heard that. I've actually met people who've been bullied by senior women. So like they've they've obviously been a, a really like strong uh, player in the, the business and doing really, really well. And that senior woman has almost bullied them and destroyed their career. Like they've had almost nervous breakdowns because of somebody like that. But is that just is that just a woman to woman thing? Because surely men bully other men, right now. I think the the interpretation when a woman does it is completely different, um, and it's seen as as the queen bee syndrome. Whereas actually, men probably behave in exactly the same way. The difference is is that a man can can speak quite appallingly to another man in the office, and then they'll still go for a pint together afterwards. Yeah, they're a lot. Whereas more a woman's open. like, I yeah. am not drinking with you because I have a burning effigy of you at home. And that's what I'm doing with I my I think evening. women are more passive-aggressive. Are we, though? So I wonder about this, because I don't no, know I'm aggressive-aggressive. There's <laughs> <laughs> no that. passive. <laughs> Come on now. But I often want to say things to another woman. I want to say, like, your behaviour has upset me, or I think you're your own worst enemy, or actually, that's not okay. And I feel like I can't say it, because if I do... I'm going to be a bitch or they're going to take it the wrong way or I'm going to ruin that relationship. So I hold back Mm. and then I get angry with them because I'm not saying what I really feel. Do you get angry with them or do you get angry with yourself? No, I get angry with them. It's their fault. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a bit of being angry with myself as well, which is that when you haven't said what it is you want to say... We do kind of build up that tension. Yeah. But honest conversations are really tricky, aren't they? Because you have your your perspective on a situation. So it's there's a difference between having an honest conversation going, I feel a certain way, or acknowledging that your perception of the situation is that way, where I think the automatic thing is to go, you're doing this and la la la, when actually it's about, actually, there's, there's always different perceptions in a scenario. So actually, it's really tricky to have a constructive, honest conversation. So I had to do this exercise earlier this week. So I'm I'm running a retreat with a friend of mine and we decided to go and get a bit of like essentially couples counselling around how we could run this together without like getting angry with each other. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we had to do was say, I have made up a story about you that and tell each other an assumption that we had about the other one. And it was really interesting because both our assumptions were, to be honest, pretty wrong. And they were entirely based on stuff we felt about ourselves, yeah. not wow. really about the other person. Yeah. yeah. So I said to her, you know, I have an assumption that you're going to want to take total control over the whole thing, which obviously, as something of a control freak, <laughs> is generally my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we have those more open and honest conversations with each other? Well, A, you kind of just have to have them. B, you need to recognise that usually if you're feeling something about someone, it's not about them. It is wholly about you. It's yeah. your, you're projecting yeah. that situation out on onto them. And then, you know, finally, most people are not thinking about you. Yes. They're thinking about themselves. Yeah. So that's the other thing when you're thinking, oh my gosh, this person thinks <clears throat> this point. is me. Or, no, no, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about them. And the assumption is always that their behaviour is deliberately negative towards you. Mm. But again, I don't know why our brains are are super... Like, our brains excel at being negative Mm. about the whole world. You know, you never get your brain going, oh, yes, well, I'm sure she just meant some really awesome things about me. Like, you just don't get that, do you? So, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say naturally. 
sound. That's yeah. That's yeah. The, sorry. That is the soundtrack that plays in my mind. <laughs> and as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, no, that's that's yeah, that's what I hear. But <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it in. So thank you for pulling that out of me, Harriet. I appreciate yeah, you. I just want you to be honest. Don't just be honest. Um, so I think there's something in here which is actually a about being honest, but also about thinking better of ourselves than we mm-hmm. naturally do. We naturally kind of think badly of ourselves we think the worst we worry about the worst and some of that's what we're going to be talking about in part three when we look at our badass balls up of the week and we use our brilliant combined wisdom i say wisdom i just really i don't know if we're that wise but anyway our brilliant combined uh, experience uh, come, on. come on yes we are 100 years 100 years of experience 100 years of experience let's leave it at that to solve all your problems so we'll be back to do that in just a second So we're back and we're heading into our Badass Balls Up section where we solve all your problems. So here we take problems that our listeners have and we apply our combined wisdom, experience, lessons that we just haven't learned. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Really try and help you solve your life dilemmas. So if you have a life dilemma, just don't know what to do about, and you think that we can solve it for you, well, A, more fool you, but also B, (laughs) tell us about it. Email us, tweet us, um, send us your problems because quite frankly, we've got problems of our own and we need our minds taken off them. So we want to hear yours (laughs) instead. Um, So this week we are going to be looking at all sorts of things. We'll get social media, we're going to be looking at business and we're going to be looking at is flirting cheating but starting off um nat instagram social media and our perceptions of ourselves yes so this week um this badass balls up comes uh live and direct so one of the questions that that featured during badass women's hour uh the live edition was about instagram and it was whether or not instagram portrays and pushes forward a false reality of what it means to be fit and healthy and well because you have the before and after transformation videos you have all of these people yogaing and eating what i now know to be called buddha bowls um you have this whole lifestyle that you know for the for the most part for most of us we don't look like that when we're in the gym i did not look like that this morning i look like death warmed up um but what it you know is it making it more difficult or ma- is it making people um i guess play into an idea of what it means to be fit and healthy that actually isn't very healthy for them i mean i think definitely yes so i have a love hate affair with my instagram feed whereby i am addicted to it i probably spend hours on it each day and yet a lot of that time it makes me feel really really bad about myself Mm. particularly the transformation photos Mm. so have you seen this on i have hashtag transformation tuesday and every tuesday my feed is just filled with women who used to be really fat and now 
look like skeletons. And I want to know... Is Transformation Tuesday a real thing? Yeah, it's a hashtag. It's a whole hashtag. Babe. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, it's a whole hashtag. It's basically what I look like before versus what I look like now. Where is the photo of the skinny bitch who has got really fat? <laughs> Where is that Transformation Tuesday photo? Maybe they just put the picture the wrong way around. <laughs> Come up with a new hashtag. That's what I want to see. But I, what I think is really worrying about that is it's still this celebration of skinny. Mm. Right? It is still, and I know that we call it now strong, not skinny. But ultimately, a lot of those girls do not look like they are just strong. Mm-hmm. And I really support anyone that is making positive changes in their life, anyone that's going out of their way to be healthier and fitter. I think that's awesome. But I just, I can't get on board with this idea that you can't be happy with where you are right now. You have to be constantly striving towards something better. Yeah, I agree. And Oh, leading on from that, did you see uh, uh, Miss Iceland pulled out of the international women's beauty pageant i don't know what it's called yeah um because she was told to lose weight and her thing was i am absolutely fine the way i am but you know they said she had broad shoulders and it's like okay, as wow. a woman what can you do about your you know if you have broad shoulders and i think it is this there's an ideal that's being pushed out and it's not now just magazines portraying this visual it's we are creating it There's within a new our own look, isn't there? Yeah. There is a new fitness look, and actually, I do remember seeing an article about it, and they were they were criticising a lot of celebrities, and it was about this different shape that because you know, I mean, Nat, you and I are doing like strength training, but you know, some of these women who take it too far and they start to lose all their curves. Mm. You know, you end up with this sort of straight up and down kind of boy figure, but there is this new physique. And actually, what's that? I follow Cindy um, Cindy Crawford mm. on Instagram, and she posts quite a lot about her really early modelling photos. She looks so incredible because actually she's a lot heavier than a lot of the girls that you see now, not as lean, but just so, like, just beautiful mm. and, like, sexy. And I'm like, God, how did we lose that? The amazing kind of, like supermodels of the 90s that were a lot more individual Mm -hmm. a lot more kind of a natural shape but looked fit but not like they were obsessed with the gym in my head I look just like Cindy Crawford but minus the beauty spot and then I look at a photo and I'm like no not so much no minus the beauty beauty spot I don't have a beauty spot babe but she does yeah um so uh second problem I've got today so this comes from actually a guy and he is an entrepreneur he runs his own business and he has several female staff and he writes and says i really want to make sure that my female staff feel supported and looked after and though they're progressing in the business what can i do to help them feel like that well emma well the thing that i always struggle with is we're constantly getting women to work on themselves there's always the training courses for women and it's normally around being confident and it just gets so repetitive and my my thing would be actually can you have a chat to the guys in your business and go you know can you be aware of how you might dominate a meeting can you be aware that as women we don't perhaps speak up in meetings you know I mean I'm still not sure what's nature versus nurture but there's definitely some stuff that is happening and that we all need awareness I think women need to know how they operate in a meeting and guys need to know how they operate in the meeting you know it's that sort of that sort of stuff that we need to help with but can we actually get anyone male or female to change their behavior right can we do that as humans awareness yes if there's a conversation going on you know women are into into football too so i don't mean this as as a main example but if you're standing somewhere and having a conversation that's exclusively something men would have partaken in so playing call of duty maybe i have no idea uh and you know your female colleague walks up are you including her is there a way for her to be included in in that conversation i think there's there's small behavioral things and that's just general social time um in when you try then translate that to a meeting it's making sure and this is on both sides that everyone in the room is contributing equally so if a man is being quiet you know that he needs to contribute but equally you know men and research shows interrupt women continually so they never get their point across and then you've got this sort of seen and heard or or heard and, and, and not seen it's that you know a woman contributes something and a, a man then takes the opinion and makes it his own and then everyone's like yes yes really good idea so it's it's 
listening, really actively listening to everyone in the room, which is behavioural, everyone in the room and hearing the value that they bring. And is that just is that just the behaviour of men? Or if you were the only guy in an office of women, would you be feeling the same way that women yeah. are? Yeah, and I think, I mean, we talked about it on our last show, didn't we, about the, the guy who's a stay-at-home dad who wasn't included in the WhatsApp group. I mean... It's beha- it's that's really bad behaviour and I think you know all the stuff that I've done around it's not even about gender but about diversity is that diversity you can have all the diverse diversity practices that you want in your business but if you haven't got a culture of inclusion mm. you're not going to keep that new talent there yeah. so you know inclusion and having that self-awareness is super important we all have all con- unconscious bias we know that now there's been studies you know you have to go okay as a human being I know I've got this but I can if you have the self-awareness you can work with that I'm unconsciously biased towards t- t- tall, hot men. Yeah, we've yeah. had chats about that, haven't we? With the tattoo. You've just got to put, <laughs> put them down, that unless they ask. <laughs> Emma, tell me, what is your problem that we need to solve this week? Oh, so this is a tricky one, but I think we've all been here. So a really good friend of mine, she's got her long-time, long-term boyfriend. They've been together a while. But she's like, he's really flirty at work. And the girls that he works with are really flirty back and she's like I think you know is flirting kind of the like new cheating there was an article in the independent just this week asking that very question and and then having the conversation with my friend I was like oh this is really interesting so I'm interested to know what you think Mm. when you've been with a boyfriend and they're particularly flirty are you okay with that are you not okay with that so I'm very lucky in that I tend to be attracted to men that nobody else in the world is attracted to. <laughs> so nobody's ever Great strategy. With them. Yeah. Um, and also they're mainly really quite socially awkward, so they don't know how to flirt. So I've just negated that one. <laughs> However, I have been on the other side of it. So I have been on the side of it where I have been flirted with by men who have significant others. And in fact, I went through a whole stage last year where I kept going to weddings and married men at these weddings would literally with their wife next to them would try and hit on me. So I had one where I was on the dance floor and this guy was literally dancing with his wife, turned round, grabbed me, put his hand on my ass and said, shall we go outside? I was like, mate. Your wife is stood behind... Unless this is a completely different conversation that I'm not aware of. <laughs> and she's in on it, in which case, okay, well, you know, she we can discuss. She could very well be. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I I find it really, really uncomfortable. And I'm a big old flirt. Like, I, I love to flirt with I anyone and everyone. But, is... Mince, you're fit. Like, I would have done the same thing to you on Tuesday in that dress. Oh, thanks, darling. But it's just, I, don't, I find it really uncomfortable. I think if you've got a significant other... Lock it down, people. I think the the challenge is flirting. There's a bit of a fine line between what is flirty fun and what is disrespectful. But Mm. actually, I think as a human being, you should. Everybody likes to feel attractive. So, what is flirting? So, I I personally thought that I did not know how to flirt. I was like, I have no game. And then a colleague, we went to a meeting, and a colleague was like, "You flirted your whole way through that, and you made everyone in there blush." And I was like, "What? When? (laughs) Didn't know." So um, I think we're going to pick up on this and what it's like to be a bit flirty and how we bring that into the office in our next section. Nat, I think you also want to talk about Married at First Sight, don't you? I do. And it's connected to the flirting because uh, how do you marry someone that you've never seen before? Well, you just don't get married full stop. (laughs) Well, no, not on Married at First Sight, which is the best (laughs) programme on television. And I, I said this to earlier, you know, I was nearly sick on myself with anxiety watching the moment where the bride walks around the corner and the husband and they see each other and it's just like so Why much. Why would you do that to yourself? Do they, they're really optimistic though, aren't they? That they're going to... So that is yes. really optimistic and I think also has a very weird perception about what we should all be aiming towards yes. as human beings. Yeah, and a... we're going to discuss that in part four.
last section we were talking about is flirting, cheating, and this weird idea of married at first sight. It's not a weird idea. Yes, it's it is. Genius. Not well. Now, tell us about the premise of the program. So, the premise of the program is that people sign up to take part in this show, where they have all of their data analysed, and that data is uh, their genetics. Um, their their values, their body type, and these you know these experts say you can match people based on relationship profiles, and some people have a nurturing gene or a, or a nesting gene. That's it. So you put two nesters together, it's likely they'll stay together. It's fabulous. Um, so they get over all of the the issues that we have on on Tinder, where it's just looks, and and you go to the core, the core of a person. Anyway, these experts match two people. These, uh, then they say, right, this is the person you're going to marry. You only know their name, but you're getting married in six weeks. So the person has to then go back to their families and say, right, I'm getting married in six weeks and it's got to be on this day and I only know this person's name. The day arrives, their families, their respective families turn up, sit on each side of the aisle and you can see the awkward thing, like the dads are like, hey, who's, who's this now? Uh, and then like the mums are like, oh God, my poor and then the dads are like oh my daughter yeah anyway um and then the ceremony starts and they just get married and yeah so bride walks through and you can see them like hyperventilating and this is why i was nearly sick of myself because it was just so emotional they cut the bride comes around the corner groom is standing at the altar they see each other for the first time for their first time and they haven't even spoken they've never spoken so their first the first words they utter to each other are when they're standing at the altar and they say hi that's insanity absolute insanity how long does this ridiculous experiment of marriage have to last so they have i think it's five weeks to get to know each other so they get married they have a party yeah exactly so there's best men's speeches and stuff for the person you don't even know five weeks is not long enough to get to know somebody but they spend the wedding night together and i think they go away on holiday and then they have to live together for a bit i mean those are three intense things to have to do (laughs) and this is why it's such a genius show but what i then looked up was so if you don't like each other what then happens because you, you have to to be to get divorced it takes a year so even if you don't like this person after five weeks you essentially are married to this person for a further year. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Are they having sex? Yeah, of course. Are they? Well, I think so. We're only on season episode two, and but I think in the first couple, I'm like, they're meant to be. Anyway, <laughs> when you annul a marriage, like, I think got really upset because I looked at marriage annulment. And Just it, a little bit of research, oh, is it, for future? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? Nothing. Um, and on, you know, gov.uk, it says... Uh, annulment is a way of ending a marriage like divorce. Unlike divorce, you can get a marriage annulled at any time after the wedding, whereas in a divorce you have to wait uh, for at least a year. And these are the reasons. So that your marriage is not legally valid, i.e. void, if you are closely related, one of you was under 16, one of you was already married or in a civil partnership. So that's the first bit. And then your marriage is defective, i.e. voidable, if... It wasn't consummated, so you haven't had sex wait, with the person you married since the wedding. So if you... Oh, so you could be at it like rabbits yeah, well, beforehand. It, up until the aisle, you could yeah. have been getting down, but and you, you can annul it. But if you... Anything after cannot, cannot be annulled. I think annulled. that's how Britney Spears did it. Yeah. Um, if you didn't properly consent to the marriage, e.g. you were drunk or forced into it, Oh, that's how Bernie Spears did it. (laughs) The other person had a sexually transmitted disease when you got married. (laughs) Yeah. And the woman was pregnant by another man when you got married. Who came up with this list? They really thought hard about it. So for those reasons, you can annul uh, a marriage. And therefore, because it, it was never valid, it was never legally valid in the first place. Wow. Well, I mean, I feel that's going to be useful knowledge for all of us yeah. in our later lives there, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for that, Nat. You have identification on? We're just on our way to work at NASA, sir. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. You know what we're doing here? We're putting a human on top of a missile shooting into space that's never been done before. I need a mathematician that can look beyond the numbers. Math that doesn't yet exist. You have someone? Running, but I'm playing. Catherine's the gal for that. She can handle any numbers you put in front of her. You're a computer at NASA. They let women handle that sort of... Oh, left, left, found it. 
Yes, they let women do some things at NASA, Mr. Johnson. And it's not because we wear skirts. It's because we wear glasses. So what you just heard there was a clip from the new trailer from a film called Hidden Figures, which is about the black women of NASA who worked on the kind of early space missions and have basically been written out of history. So the new film about them, nobody's really talked about them before, um, but it fits in really well because actually today we are already talking about uh, one of them in our Backdated Badasses section. Emma, do you want to tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, so this is my new girl crush, um, Catherine Coleman Goebel Johnson. She was born in 1918. She's an American physicist, space scientist and mathematician who used to work at NASA. Now, she is incredible. There's some videos online. Please do check her out. She's just got just this beautiful personality and lovely storytelling. But she calculated the trajectory for the, the space flight of Alan Shepard, who was the first American in space, for John Glenn, who was the first American to orbit Earth, and also the Apollo 11 uh, mission. So she calculated when they had to ex- descend mm-hmm. back down to Earth. Wow. I mean, just incredible. But what I loved about her is her background, you know, and actually there's a lot of her that really reminded me of you, Nat, and your kind of like badassness and your just determination. Like, you know, whenever I have conversations with you, there's no... There's no ifs or maybes. You're single-minded about it. And Catherine's exactly been like that. She had a really strong female role model growing up who sort of took her under her wing and helped nurture her, her love of mathematics. And then she just basically decided what she was going to do and, and went and, and did it. She never took no for an answer. Um, and so she was up against racial and gender barriers. But she said, Catherine says, I just ignored them. She said, I was just assertive and I just asked to be included in editorial meetings where like no women had, had ever been in these meetings before. Um, and she just made stuff happen. And she's basically influenced... Uh, the majority of uh, space missions from NASA with her calculations. Incredible because when we think about space we don't really think about women and we certainly don't think about the black women. Mm. If I'm honest Mm. like I don't think I've seen a film But the movie covers covers Catherine and two other women that she worked with and actually there were a whole host of black women that supported in terms of the, the, the data to get men into space and they were written out of history. Yeah, they were known as the computers. And Catherine actually referred to them, to these women, as the computers who wore skirts. That was her term. Amazing. And some really interesting stuff around actually what the culture must have been like for them to work with. What, the early 60s that they were working on this? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we actually know today 540 people have been to space. How many of them do you think are women? Not very many, based on the fact you're asking. No. (laughs) 59. So just over 10%. Yeah. (laughs) so it's hardly any um and the other thing that i really loved when i was researching this was back in the 1960s there was a guy who has a fabulous name called randy lovelace love that and Ra- that i know connected to ada? not connected to ada nor to the film people no i know i don't know what it is with the lovelace people but anyway randy lovelace um was in charge of basically developing the medical test to decide whether or not you could be an astronaut and one of the things they actually worked out really early on was that women were more suited to being astronauts because if you think about it, if you're going up in a space shuttle, it's a really small space and every pound of weight really makes a difference. So women are smaller, they weigh less, um, they actually perform better on some of the tests and yet they didn't put women into space. Of course they didn't because women are too emotional. You can't have all those women up in space, gave all those hormones. <laughs> but Randy Lovelace did feel that it would be very important to send at least one woman up into space when they sent a mission up. Well done, Randy. Because he was concerned about who the men would be having sex with if they didn't put a woman oh on in the spaceship. Oh, the poor men. Those poor, yeah. poor men. I know. I think Randy was bullied in school for his name. <laughs> I think Randy lived up to his name. <laughs> <laughs> Randy was optimistic. So I wanted to pick up on that point, Emma, about like that single-mindedness and that focus because I think that's I think that's what we kind of think of as one of the attributes of being really truly badass. You've got to be focused. Yes. But I don't know about you, ladies, but I do have moments where a little bit of self-doubt creeps in, and I don't feel like that. What do you do when that happens? So you know, I think we, we've honestly said all the time it, we don't wake up badass every single day. It's something you have to work on moment to moment but 
it's easier when you're honest with yourself around how you're feeling. It's easier when you have a support network of people that you can just say, look, this happened. What do you think? So you can get an honest, um, non-judgmental perspective. And it's also easier when you realise that, you know, as, as long as you're not performing brain surgery, it really doesn't matter in the end. But where did you get your badassness from? Because, you know, I feel like I'm really working on mine and I've come a long way. But you just, I just, it's like you've always had this. I'm Jamaican, honey. Is that, is it? It's in the blood. Is it? Is it, it a Jamaican is in thing? the blood. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I need to book a holiday to Jamaica then. <laughs> we all need one of those. Um, so we're coming into our kind of final minutes here. But as ever, we want to leave you with a guiding principle, a shining light for the week ahead so that you too can truly tap into your badass self. And our principle this week actually kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show and about really speaking what you're feeling and putting it all out there. Now, what's our badass principle for the week? Our badass principle for this week is to stay honest. Oh, good one. Ooh, and what does one. that look like in reality? It looks like having honest conversations with yourself like we were saying before about how you're feeling it's having honest conversations with people that you feel affronted by or that you don't feel like are taking you serious and and calling them out on it but it's also just being honest about what you want emma are you going to be able to do that yeah do you know what i think the older i get the more i realize is the more i push myself to have these uncomfortable and they are uncomfortable conversations right if you're being really honest even if you're being honest with yourself Mm. like that's not an easy thing what i find is every time i do it it's actually a lot better especially with those conversations with friends or if it's a business conversation you carry around this like angst this anxiety and you're like going round around your head and actually when you just say it and you're honest and you try not to be hurtful about that honesty you kind of solve the problem really quickly and most people most people will be receptive to that do you know what helps what Pinot Noir or Montepulciano you two are going to bully me into drinking next week I can feel it (laughs) just saying (laughs) so we are ending here but that's our badass principle for the week which is stay honest and maybe have some booze let us know how that works out for you we want to hear about the relationships that have ended and the uh, relationships that have ended due to these honest conversations, the businesses that have bust up, and what it's like to be honest after several glasses of Malbec. Um, so you can tweet us, you can email us. We're on Twitter at Nat, give us a Twitter handle. At Nat D. Campbell. Emma. Uh, at Emma Sexton. And I'm at Harriet Minter. Tell us your problems, tweet us your thoughts. We want to hear them. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.